Let's stand and take our Bibles, please. Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. Uh, if we would, if you're a first-time guest and visitor, welcome to Heritage Baptist Church. We're honored that you're here today. And if you're here for the second or third time, we're honored that you're back. And we pray that the service today will be a blessing to you. I want to ask our members to look around you. If you see a visitor or guest who doesn't have a Bible or is trying to has a little difficult time finding the book of Joshua, if you'll help share your Bible with them today, that would be a blessing. And we look forward to seeing you back tonight at 515 for the evening service. And we're going to have an ice cream social after that. How many love ice cream? Amen. Like I have, you know, more, a lot more of you love ice cream, don't you? All right, we're going to have an ice cream social after church tonight. You stay for that. That'll be a blessing. All right, Joshua chapter 6, verse 12. Joshua chapter 6, verse 12. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. And seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them, but the re-reward or the rear guard, if you would, came after the ark of the Lord. The priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And the second day they compassed the city once and returned into the camp. And so they did six days. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times. Only on that day they compassed the city seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priest blew with the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city, and the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And ye, in any wise, keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed when you take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord, they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priest blew with the trumpets, and it came to pass uh, when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and heard the and uh, and the people shouted with a great shout, that the wall fell down flat, so the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. I want you to notice another passage this morning. I want you to go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 30, for just a moment. Hebrews 11:30, And Hebrews 11 kind of sets the foundation for the message. I know we read a lengthy passage of Scripture, and we're going to try to summarize through all of Joshua 6 this morning. But I want you to see Hebrews 11:30, Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 30, summarizes what we're going to see this morning. And it's, and it's basically the springboard and the central theme for the message. Hebrews 11.30 in the New Testament. Again, members, if you'll share your Bible with those who maybe are just trying to find their way. The writer of Hebrews, who I believe is the Apostle Paul, wrote this. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. We're going to look at this morning one of the great examples of faith. God gave us this story in Joshua 6. It's a true story. A true historical account that's been validated by archaeologists. A true historical account that is so phenomenal that the writer of Hebrews in one verse summarizes for us the greatness of a faith that can conquer a city like Jericho. And I want us just to be encouraged on this this July 4th weekend on a thought. The thought being faith forward. Not faith backwards, 
but faith forward. And it's my prayer this morning as we are on the completion of this new building. We're going forward for the Lord. We're asking God to use this church and have a tremendous impact upon the Bay Area. We need to be a people that go faith forward for God. Now, Father, bless the service. Bless the reading of your word. Work in our hearts this morning. God, help us to increase our faith through you. Help us to be a people that go faith forward and not faith backwards. Help us this morning to be inspired through the word of God and challenged to live for you. And we'll thank you for this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people say, Amen. You may be seated. Our God is a God of great power and miracles. Amen? A miracle is a supernatural performance of God. It is not a mystical performance. It is not a witchcraft performance. It is not a phenomena that just happened about. A true miracle is a supernatural performance of God. It is a work that can only be explained by three words. God did it. God did it. And the Bible records many great miracles for us to read, to fathom, to meditate upon, and to think about the fact, if God could do it then, God can do it again. We have a God who is a God of miracles and great power. And of all these miracles we read, one of the greatest ones... Recorded in scripture that's still mentioned, talked about in history. is the record of the fall of Jericho in Joshua chapter 6. And this passage really, if we had time, really needs to be broken. Or probably three or four messages just to see uh, just all that went down and what God did. And we're just going to try to summarize in about 40 minutes here what God did here. But I want to say this morning that the great thought we want to get out of this morning, which are many. But the great thought I want to impress upon you that is so simple and yet is so kind of out of our league, is just as a matter of faith. It's just, it says, by faith. Can you imagine what we can do by faith? Can you imagine what God does through faith? Can you imagine what Moses did by faith? And Abraham did by faith? And Noah did by faith? And David did by faith? And Elijah did by faith? And we're here this morning, we're going to see what Joshua did by faith. God wants you and me to exercise faith. In fact, Faith is the starting point of coming into the family of God. The Bible says in Romans ten seventeen, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is the entry point. It's the starting point for salvation. Faith is a vital and inseparable part of the Christian life. Hebrews eleven six tells us without faith. And I'm going to just tell you today, without faith, we are in trouble. Without faith, we live in a vacuum where God is absent. But with faith, but the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so this morning, we're going to focus on faith. By faith, the impossible becomes possible. By faith implies faith is being exercised. By faith implies faith is the key that opens the door. I want to challenge you, and I'm challenging myself this morning, about our faith in the midst of our July 4th celebration, in the midst of just a time when our church is on the threshold of some great things that God is doing in the hearts of people, in the hearts of our lives. I want us to be encouraged this morning about having a faith that is unshakable. Maybe you're kind of on shaky ground right now. Maybe your faith has been shaken by storms and by winds and by earthquakes and maybe by trials 
trials and circumstances and health setbacks and family setbacks. Maybe the recent passing of a loved one. It might be a financial setback. It might be a family setback. Whatever it may be, setbacks are an automatic part of our lives. You can't run from setbacks. You can't escape from setbacks. Setbacks are a reality that we all face. The older we get, the more there will be setbacks. Job said this, man that is born of woman, his days are few and full of trouble. But I want to tell you in the midst of setback, praise God, you can exercise faith. Amen. You can exercise faith in a great God and a God who's there for you by faith. The walls of Jericho fell down. This morning, let us see how you and I can have a faith that is forward. A faith that goes forward for God. Go with me to chapter 6 and let's work our way quickly this morning right through the passage. Number one, I want you to consider with me the setting for faith. The setting for faith. How was faith exercised in this passage of scripture? The setting for faith. Look at verse 1. Verse 1 says, now Jericho was straightly shut up. Jericho, from the beginning of Joshua 1, is the target. It's the first of many cities that Joshua is going to conquer. It's the first of many cities that stood in the way of Joshua being able to obtain the spiritual inheritance that God has for him. Listen this morning. God wants you to go forward in your Christian life. I have a friend here this morning who's here for the very first time in one of our church services. And this dear lady, two Saturdays ago, trusted Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. And I'm so thankful this morning that out of her, just in her candidness, I asked her a bunch of questions and she said, Pastor, I know I'm a sinner and I need to get saved. But one of the things I encouraged my friend who's here today, I said, listen, God wants you to step out in faith and God wants you to know that He has an inheritance He wants you to claim. And listen, for everybody here, God has an inheritance He wants you to claim. And that inheritance is to, is to uncover the wonderful promises of God's Word and uncover what it means to live for the Lord and want to cover what it means to have the victory that comes by faith. God wants you to cover all that there is in Jesus Christ. Listen, in Jesus Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom. And I want to tell you today, if you're not in the Bible, if you're not praying, if you're not serving God, if you're not involved in trying to win souls, you've left those treasures buried, the treasure buried under sand. Listen, this morning it's time to get a shovel and dig up the sand. Amen? And dig up the sand and bring the treasure chest out and uncover all the treasures that God wants you to have in Him. In Him are hid all the treasures of wisdom. And notice in chapter 6, we're at the city of Jericho. They've been waiting for several days. And now the opportunity came. Joshua's passed four requirements. And now the Bible says in Joshua 6.1, Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out. And none came in. Notice the setting, first of all, was an impregnable city. It was a city that was had a, that was very secure. It was a city that had very strong fortunes. Now, you've got to listen very carefully, because if you miss this part, you won't understand how Joshua exercised faith. This city was feared. It was five miles away from the Jordan River. It was the first city you'd have to go through to enter into Canaan land and to go after all the other cities. It was the model city as far as having a strong fortress. It was a model city as being impregnable. Understand something this morning. They looked at the city and the first thing they saw were the walls of Jericho. The walls of Jericho. Now I want you to consider some things about what made the city impregnable. First of all, there were two walls. There was an outer wall and there was an inner wall. The outer wall is what was most prominent. The outer wall was so secure. Listen, that outer wall rose anywhere from up to 22 feet in height. 
That outer wall was as much as six feet in, 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 in width. I mean, it was a very thick wall. If you think about a six foot tall man, that's how thick that wall was. This wall rose at least 22 feet above the ground. And then above that, they built, they, they poured a mud, a mud type, a adobe mud type, very hardened uh, wall over and above that. So this mud wall over and above that stood another 15 to 20 feet. This wall from the base of those two walls that supported the bottom, the bottom wall and the upper wall basically stood as much as 42 feet tall. That was a huge wall. It was considered unscalable at that time. They had not entered into the Iron Age or barely into the Bronze Age at that time. This was considered an unscalable wall. This was considered a wall. If you could get through that wall, you were considered a great champion. There were many warring nations that day, but none of them dared to try to scale those walls or pierce those walls or knock them down. Now, there was the outer wall. But then there was an inner wall. And where the outer wall was, I want you to imagine if you can follow me right now. Where the outer wall was on the outside, there was an embankment that was about a 45 to 60 degree slope. Are you with me this morning? Say amen. It was at a 45 to 60 degree ascent. And this embankment, there were, there were houses. The poor people of Jericho lived in that area. In fact, when we read in Joshua chapter 2, where Joshua sent two spies, and the first home they came to was the home of, uh, of Rahab the harlot. That's where she lived. She lived on that embankment, just right next to that, right next to that outer wall. And where this embankment, this embankment went up several feet. Now, just to give you a feel for that, Hikers understand that embankments are a challenge for you. It's a challenge in your climbing ability, your cardiovascular health, how strong your legs are. And those of us who are not climbers and those of us who don't enjoy climbing hills, we look at this and says, I'm not climbing that hill. I was driving through one of our local cities the other day and was thinking about this message. And I saw an embankment that just looked just like that. I looked at the hillside where people live and I thought, man, I wonder if the, if the embank, if the, if that, that hillside I'm looking at was just like that embankment. And it went for many feet up and then it hit where it was called the outer wall, uh, the, uh, the inner wall. The inner wall stood as much as another 40 feet above, above the level. So you had these two walls. And so when you were standing at the Jordan River far away, you, would, you as far as the city of Jericho was concerned, you saw these walls. And the only thing in your mind, if you were, or if you were a, a military person or someone who wanted to get in there, you had to get through those walls. Those walls were considered impregnable walls. These walls were difficult to go through. On top of that, notice chapter 6, verse 1. It says Jericho was straightly shut up. In other words, they closed off all the opportunities to get in. Windows were closed. Doors were closed. The citizens who lived on, on top of, on top of, because people made their homes with six feet in, 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 in depth. Uh, and people lived inside their, inside the walls. Basically were told, close your windows. Don't give any opportunity for someone to come in. The Bible says it was shut off from the outer world. No one could come in. Now what makes the city very interesting, it was strategically located and strategically designed. Inside the walls of Jericho, Inside there was a city of several thousand people. Inside there they had many copious springs. A lot of you who live here in San Leandro, probably some of you in this room, you live on property where there's wells on the property. There's a lot of wells here in San Leandro. There's a lot of wells in Castor Valley. In that area they had a lot of springs. They had wells and springs and they were very copious springs where water, they had abundance of water. And typically if you wanted to cut off a city, if you wanted to conquer it, the first thing you would do to conquer it is you'd cut off the water supply. If the water supply came from the outside, you'd cut it off. Or you'd cut off the food supply. You'd try to cut off the food supply. You'd starve them and 
thirst them before you'd go in there and conquer the city. You would try to get them to a bargaining position where they realized they needed water and food. Well, this city was copious in the springs. And it was harvest time as we read this. During harvest time, they grabbed as much as they could. They harvested and reaped everything they could. And many, many archaeologists that uncovered that city have found jars and jars and jars and containers of grain that was harvested. This city was a city that took very good care of retaining their food sources and making sure they had an abundance of food so that if they were cut off from the outside, they wouldn't be threatened for many, many, for many, many months, maybe even for a couple years there. So it was a very well secure, fortified city. It was impregnable. It was considered safe for the people on the inside. It was considered a place the Bible describes as being shut up as far as people are concerned. Now, when we look at that this morning, it kind of speaks to my heart about a couple things. It speaks about the fact that sometimes we face situations in life. For the people on the inside, they were scared. They wanted, they wanted things shut out. For the people on the outside, which were the Jews, the people of Israel, they needed to get in because God wanted to get in. And you know, the walls of Jericho, that place being the city being shut up, it's like a lot of our lives. Sometimes we feel like there are shut doors. There are closed opportunities. There's closed avenues. We feel like something's closed on us. We feel like we just feel like we're on the outside looking in. And I don't know if you've ever felt that, but when things feel like they're shut up or you're shut out of something, you feel like you feel at a great disadvantage and you feel like, well, how am I going to get through this? And, and here are these impregnable walls and how am I going to deal with this? And they, they appear stronger than me and mightier than me. Here was a city that was impregnable. And sometimes we face problems and difficulties and circumstances and personal situations situations and financial setbacks and personal worries and, and depression and all of these things that we feel like we're shut out from the rest of society and we're shut out from our family and we're shut out from things and we feel like the Jews did at that moment in time that there's no way in and there's no way I can make this happen. Yes, we see right now that the setting for faith was an impregnable city, uh, city but notice in verse 2 we also see an inspiring statement. And I want to tell you when things are shut up and things are shut in and you're shut out, that's the time you need to listen for God. Amen? That's the time you need to say, God, would you show me what to do? And would you say, God, would you speak to me? And I have to remind you here that as Joshua's here, Joshua had spent, we spent some time in Joshua chapter 4. Joshua had passed four major requirements. In fact, without passing these requirements, he would not have been in Joshua chapter 6 verse 1. Requirement number one was they had to cross the Jordan River at the time of harvest. Now the crossing of the Jordan was a reminder to them, you're going to get the job done, but not without me. They needed God to get it done. God was the one who parted the Jordan River. God was the one that made it possible. Requirement number two was the cutting of the flesh. And that's a reminder that we must be surrendered to God. We must crucify the flesh. We must remember Remember that there, we must not let sin get in the way. This biblical separation is not just how far we should be away from sin, but biblical separation means how close we should get to the Lord. And so there had to be the cutting of the flesh. Requirement number three was they had to eat of the old corn of the land. God wanted them to celebrate the Passover and eat the corn of the land there in chapter four. And as they did so, it was a reminder for them to meditate and to think about the Lord and to remind themselves of all of God's goodness. And I'll tell you, before before God's going to do something great in your life and my life, every Every now and then we need to stop. We need to say, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Amen. And we need to say, thank you, Lord, for all your provisions. And thank you, Lord, for all your goodness. And thank you, Lord, for my family. And thank you, Lord, for good health. And thank you, Lord, for salvation. And thank you, dear God, for a church to worship God. In. And thank you for a church that, that has vision and is going forward for God. Amen. We need to stop and thank God for everything going in our lives. Amen. I mean, that's what we need to be doing there. But requirement number four was, we saw this last week. As he was standing there, he saw a man with a sword drawn in his hand. 
And the sword drawn in his hand, the best equivalency I can give to you would be like you and I walking into the church parking lot and you seeing Brother Arnold stand there with a gun. Now that'd be pretty scary, amen? First of all, Brother Arnold might shoot himself, amen? But that'd be pretty scary there, amen? Seeing somebody stand there with a sword or a gun there as you enter the parking lot. And your first question you're going to say is, well, is he for us or is he against us? What's he here for, amen? And you know, here's what I want you to see. He saw this man and at the moment he didn't recognize who it was and Joshua had been in many fights himself and I think Joshua was ready to draw his sword out to fight this man. But he said, are you for us or are you against us? And there the man manifests himself that this was the Lord Jesus Christ in a pre-incarnate appearance. In other words, before Jesus manifests himself through the virgin birth, he came in the form of a man in the Old Testament. And he said, no, I've come as the captain of the host of the Lord. And requirement number four was just a reminder to Joshua. Joshua, you've got to get let God lead the way. You've got to make sure God is the captain of your life. Let me tell you something. We've got a lot of talented people in this church. We've got a lot of talented students. I think we've got some students right now. They're going to make their mark in history in a few years. We've got a lot of talented young professionals. You're making their mark right now in the Bay Area. They're doing their thing. We've got a lot of people who are middle management and above. They're making their mark. But I want to tell you something. As great as your mind might be and as experienced as you may be and as many hits as you may be, I may remind you one thing. Jesus must be the captain of your host. Amen. Jesus better be captain over what you do. If we get to a place we think we can do it without Jesus, we are in big trouble. Amen. And we have to realize that the captain, the Lord, so came to him and says, I've come that you might realize your standing on holy ground, Joshua, I want you to realize that before you get to Jericho, you better recognize you still need me. And I'm going to tell you something. Before the next victory comes, we better decide today we need the Lord. Amen? Amen. Better decide today we need the Lord. And now we get to chapter 6, and God gives Joshua an inspiring statement. It's a continuation of chapter four, chapter 5. In chapter 5, he said, I'm the captain, the Lord's host. Take your sandal off. You're standing on holy ground. As he does so, notice the inspiring statement in verse 2. See... See, open your eyes. I have given into thy hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty man of valor. The captain of the Lord's host basically was telling Joshua, look at Joshua, everything you've been looking forward to, watch, look ahead. I've given it to you. I've given you the city. I've given you the captain. I've given you their armies. He said, it's yours. You are, you are the victor over this. And I remind you today, Christian friend, if you're a new believer starting out, you're a believer who's been saved for just a few months. You're a believer who's been saved for a few years. You're a believer who's been saved for many years. Sometimes we walk the walk of faith and we get a little concerned and we get a little bit, we get a little bit worried and we get worried about this problem and that problem, this setback and that setback. Listen, every now and then we need to stop and listen to God as He speaks us from His Word and remind ourselves, see, He's given us that city and see he's given us that king and see he's given us that victory you say how do you know that because if you look in your your bible first john 5 4 tells us if whatsoever is born of god overcometh the world how many glad this morning you're born again amen, amen. how many glad this morning you're born into the family of god can you hear an amen, amen. for whatsoever is born of god overcomes what you're born of victor in Jesus Christ. That's something to shout about. Amen. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. What an inspiring statement. Every now and then I'll get discouraged. I'll get on my knees and I'll pray. And God reminds me verses like Romans 8.31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son... But delivered him up for us all. How she not with him also freely give us all things. I talked to a young man this week on the phone. One of our church members has been working on him and working on, and he'd been involved in a cult. 
And this cult denies that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And this cult denies that Jesus' blood atones for our sins. This cult denies Jesus is God come in the flesh who died for us. Listen, he struggled with it. He came here on an Easter service. He's heard the gospel preached. Some of our men have shared the gospel with him. But his biggest struggle is just worried about what family will say as someone else will say. And listen, this past week, he said, what am I going to do? I've got these fears. And I was reminding him in 1 John 4, 4. Ye are of God, little children, because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. And when he heard those words, you are of God, he says, well, I want to be in God. I'm glad this boy who was caught up in a cult bowed his head and called upon the Lord Jesus Christ to save him from his sins. I'm telling you this morning, you can be inspired by the statements of God. That's why you ought to be in your Bible every day. That's why you ought to read the Word of God. That's why you ought to subscribe to the My God Morning Devotions and get something fresh from God. I'm excited about some of the devotions that will be posted this week. You ought to decide this morning, you're going to get something from God's Word that's going to encourage you, that's going to get you on the way, that's going to help you in your difficulty, your depression, your discouragement there. I'm just saying this morning, we see here this young man, by this man by the name of Joshua, standing there, and we see the setting for faith. Yes, there was an impregnable city, but God gave an inspiring statement. God said, I've given you that city. And I remind you today, we don't go forward in defeat, we go forward in victory through Jesus Christ this morning. So number one, we see the setting for faith. But notice verses 3 to 19, we see the submission for faith. Brother, sister in Christ, I want to give you some thoughts this morning about this. God does not work helter-skelter. You understand what I'm saying this morning? He does not work in a disorganized fashion. Our God is a God of order. And our God has a plan. And God lays out this plan for Joshua in Joshua chapter 6. It's a divine plan. It's a directed plan. It's a blessed plan. It's God's plan. And sometimes we can be so overwhelmed with our strategization, we, 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 we lose sight of the fact God has a plan. And God had a plan for conquering Jericho. And I want you to notice here, sometimes we wonder about God's plans, but Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. And we must be careful that our thoughts don't interfere with God's thoughts. And our ways don't interfere with God's ways. We must be careful that God's leading us. And so notice in verses uh, verses 3 to 19 very quickly. How did, what's the submission for faith? Well, first of all, God gave him some orders. Now, when we read these orders, we just kind of take for granted here. But I want you to think with me for a minute how, how... Bizarre these orders were, if I could say that. First of all, God said, here's what you're going to do. You're going to take all your armed men, all your army, a good number of them, and they're going to lead a processional. And he had several hundred thousand men in his army. Behind this, behind this army of men would be seven priests bearing ram's horns as trumpets. Now, ram's horns give a different sound than horns made out of silver. They're different in that, okay? And I wish I, I should have had two different illustrations I could show you that we won't have time for that, but maybe another time I will. And so these seven priests would follow these, these armed men and they would, in this procession, and they would be blowing the horn the entire time of this procession. Well, behind them would be the priests or the Levites who were carrying the Ark of God. Now remember, we said this before. The Ark of God represented God's presence. It was the physical representation of the presence of God. It wasn't the real presence of 
God, but was something they needed to see to remind them that God was with them. And then behind those who carried the ark of God was the rear guard. So you had the front guard, which was the majority of the army. You had seven priests who blew the ram's horns. Behind them you had these priests who carried the ark of the Lord, which represented the, the presence of God. And behind them was the rear guard. And this large processional was to walk around the city of Jericho while the horns are blown. Not about you, that sounds pretty bizarre to me. If somebody started walking around the city of San Leandro doing that, I'd be wondering, what in the world is going on here, amen? And you can imagine these guys just walking, these men walking there, they're in their Jewish garbs, they're walking around there, and they're blowing the horn, going, Now, I don't know how long it took for them to encompass all of that city with all those groups of people, but if you can imagine that, they're just walking, going, Now, don't do that when I'm preaching, man. Boom! Boom! I mean, they're just, they're blowing the horns. And God said, that's what I want you to do. But here's the deal. You do it for six days straight. So the Bible says they rose up early in the next morning. God, and you know, I, and I, appreciate, I appreciate Joshua's attitude. He didn't say, Lord, you want me to do what? He said, this is what you need to do, Joshua. And the next thing we read, Joshua rises up early in the morning and so did the priests and so did the army and he gives instructions and they'd already learned for the last several days they could trust God and they could believe in them. I mean, they're fresh in their minds as the parting of the Jordan River and fresh in their minds as, as the fact there had to be the cutting of the flesh and fresh in their minds was the fact they ate the old corn of the land and God said from this point on you're going to eat inside of Jericho, inside the land of Canaan and fresh in their minds was this vision, the appearance of the captain of the Lord's host, the Lord Jesus Christ who came to Joshua and now they get up early in the morning they say well that's what god told us to do and we see these men that are giving the orders notice secondly we see the obedience the second day that's the next day they get up we see the obedience there were the orders that were given to test their submission they got up they did not question god they didn't add anything to it <coughs> they didn't take anything from it they didn't interrupt god they didn't have a discussion with joshua to debate with joshua they didn't argue with them. you know our problem today we get so much so much liberty so much freedom to give our opinions and tell people what we think that when we read the word of god and god can't tells us a clear commandment and God tells us what to do. You know what we do? We have to interrupt God. We say, well, God, how about we do it this way? Or how about we do it that way? Or how about we don't do this? And how about we don't do that? And we rewrite and change what God says in his word. Listen, a command is an order that, to, that is to be obeyed. Amen. A command is an order that needs to be obeyed. And God gave clear command. You set up these men, you do a processional, you blow the trumpet, don't ask the questions, go around. And he said this, don't speak a word. Now that's hard to do for churches, amen? People like to talk. I, I just learned people like to talk. They like to talk during prayer time. They like to talk when we're preaching. They're just people like to talk. But during that procession, nobody was supposed to talk. He says, don't say a thing. And they did this for six days. They did it exactly as God told them to do. There was the order, and then there was the obedience. Listen, the Bible says, we must obey. God rather than man. And there are times when the things of men conflict with the things of God, but we must obey God. And I remind you this morning, obedience is a precursor to the exercise of faith. We must obey God. Listen, we read the Word of God and it tells us this, that Abraham and Noah and those men, by faith, they obeyed. And I want to encourage you this morning as a congregation, as a member of this church, if we're going to exercise faith, we must obey God. We must follow the Lord. God never divorces 
his word and our obedience to his word from faith. Great endeavors are always preceded by great command from God. And they were to do this for six days. And then the seventh day would come. And the seventh day they would circle the city seven times. So I imagine the first day they did it. And, and everyone's probably inside thinking, no, no, this feels kind of weird. And I'm not sure what the Lord has in mind, but we're just going to go in and do it. And everybody felt comfortable because there were several hundred thousand of them just following the Lord and doing what they're supposed to do. And Joshua leading the way. And here are the priests walking around going, boop, boop. They're just blowing through the trumpet there for that for those six days seventh they come and they're boasting their faith they've done it for six days and all the people in jericho are probably looking out their windows wondering what in the world are these hebrews doing what what is this all about and why are they circling the city and maybe it caused them more fear inside that city and maybe they put more fortune more uh, more fortification against the doors and maybe they put more fortification around the windows we're not told what they did but we know one thing the jews all they were supposed to do was obey god and what they're supposed to do and they had to submit to the lord there must be the submission in obedience listen here's some questions will we submit to god Exactly to the letter of what he tells us to do? Will we submit to God without delay? Will we submit to God without doubting? Will we submit to God without debating? Will we submit to God without disagreement? And much of our chagrin, much of our disappointments are not because God's word is wrong. It's mainly because we disagree with God. We don't want to follow God. We don't want to follow spiritual leadership as God has ordained. We have a different opinion. And you know what the problem with that? We offer a different opinion. We want to tell other people and infect them with our opinion. Listen, if you're going to affect somebody with something, infect them with the Word of God. Amen? Infect them with what God's Word says. And so these people here, they obey God. There's this obedience. I remind you today, submission to God must be like the prayer of former New York Yankees uh, player Bobby Richardson. Bobby Richardson was called to lead a prayer of a Christian businessman's group up in New York City. And they said, we're going to have the great Bobby Richardson, who is not ashamed of his faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, it was Bobby Richardson who influenced Mickey Mantle, who was a drunkard. He influenced Mickey Mantle to come to know Jesus Christ as a Savior. And the words that he had Sown, the gospel message sown helped get that word of God in Mickey Mantle so that a preacher in Dallas, Texas ultimately let Mickey Mantle to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But Bobby Richardson was known back in the 50s and early 60s as a Christian who was unashamed of Jesus Christ. And this great Christian businessmen's meeting, they asked Mr. Richardson to come up and lead in prayer. And Bobby Richardson came to the podium there and all and everybody's breath was abated and they were wondering what he's going to say. He said, let's bow our heads for prayer. And he prayed this prayer. Dear Lord, your will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. That's true submission. Lord, your will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. I'm reminded this morning of a story about the legendary Roger Staubach, who was quarterback back in the early 70s for the Dallas Cowboys. Some of you folks who go back in time might remember that during that time that the Dallas Cowboys had a great dynasty. Uh, the Tom Landry was their coach, and he was a very rigid coach and a very disciplined coach. Roger Staubach at that time was the quarterback of the time. He was a man who knew the plays, and he knew what he was doing. And there was a conflict all the time in Roger Staubach's heart, because Roger Staubach wanted to call his own plays, no matter what it was. But Tom Landry was a very strong coach, and he had a greater insight about what was going on with his players and, and what was going on in the field. And Tom Landry would rarely let Roger Staubach call the plays. And there was conflict at times where Roger 
would stop and wanted to call the play. And the coach would say, no, this is what we're going to do. Finally, the time came when Roger Staubach realized if they were going to be a winning team, he had to follow through what the coach said. And listen, he went on and he led the Dallas Cowboys to Super Bowl victory and Super Bowl victory, national championship. And they quoted Roger Staubach in Sports Illustrated. He said this, I faced up to the issue of obedience. Once I learned to obey, there was harmony. And remind you this morning, when we learn to obey, there's harmony between us and God. It's harmony between us and the Word. And we see the submission for faith. Here, God was testing them one more time. Will you obey? If you're going to accomplish something by faith, there's always the Word of God we must obey. And by the way, sometimes people say, well, you know, God's commandments are tough. No, they're not. The Bible says His commandments are not grievous unto us. We see the setting for faith. We see the submission for faith. But you notice our passage in verse 20. Here's the good part. But you notice the supernatural in faith. Now, I'll be honest with you. If this was modern day, 21st century, and we saw somebody doing that, we would laugh. And we would scorn them. And we would mock them. But remember, God said in Isaiah 55, My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. They did this, and we'll read this here. Notice verse 20. Remember, God told them, when you've completed this, actually go back to verse 16. And it came to pass at the seventh time, the seventh time around the city. So most likely they spent entire morning, even maybe to the early afternoon, this entire processional for seven times going around the city of Jericho. It came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew with the trumpets. Joshua said to the people, shout, shout. And can you imagine close to three million people shouting and just even curtail it back? Let's just say it's the soldiers and the priests that were in the procession. Let's just say 700,000 men. Can you imagine 700,000 men shouting from the top of their lungs? Shout. For the Lord is giving you the city. That's what he told him in verse 2. God's giving you the city. So in verse 20, so the people shouted when the priest blew with the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. The people shouted with a great shout. Notice, the wall fell down flat. So the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Now, would you consider with me the supernaturalness? I've seen, I've seen buildings demolished with battering rams. I've seen buildings demolished with dynamite. I've seen buildings demolished with explosives. I've seen buildings come down with battering rams and and things like that. But I've never heard of a city or wall with six foot thick walls going up 40 something feet in the air. I've never heard about walls going down flat because people shouted. And God did the supernatural. God used this processional and the shout to demonstrate his power. It wasn't any power in the shout. The power was in God. God did what he said he would do. He said in Hebrews 11.30, By faith, the walls of Jericho went down. Would you understand what's going on here? For day number one, their faith is little. Day number two, their faith is growing. Day number three, their faith is getting stronger. Day number four, it's getting even more stronger. Day number five, they're boasting their faith. Day number six, I can't wait to see what God's going to do. Day number seven, the day came. The day came when by faith, the walls would come down. And as they circled that city... 
for the seventh time. I imagine those people, they knew they were supposed to shout. They got ready because the command was, when you hear the sound of the trumpets on the seventh town, you get up there and just shout. You say, what did they shout? I think they said, praise the Lord. Amen. They just said, praise the Lord. You say, how do you know they said praise the Lord? Because that's what you should shout is praise the Lord. Amen. Just say glory to God. And they said, praise the Lord. And I had something like that nature. Hallelujah means praise the Lord. And they gave a great shout of 700,000 people. And the shout was so reverberating. The shout was so literally earth shaking. The shout was so strong. The walls fell down completely flat. They didn't go down backwards. They went down forward. The walls fell down flat. And God fulfilled what the writer of Hebrews said would happen in Hebrews 11.30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they conquered about seven days. Can I tell you something this morning? It's faith that's going to conquer the walls in your life. It's faith that's going to conquer the difficulties in your life. It's faith that helps the church to go forward. It's, a, it's faith that helps the church go from 19 years of age to 20 years of age. It's faith that's going to help a church go from 19 years of age to being 40 years of age one day. It's faith that keeps the pulpit hot. It's faith that keeps our offerings up. It's faith that keeps the doors open. By faith is how the walls of Jericho fell down and they were conquered after they were compassed about seven days. Listen, faith is how opportunities become realities. Faith is how we walk the Christian life. Faith is how vision leads to results. Faith is how God made a way into the city. Would you watch this? The walls came down. Remember the top was all mud, hardened mud. And the bottom was more like plaster. The entire wall, top and bottom came down. The outer wall came down. Listen, when it came down, it became, notice what it says. The Bible says the people went up. Remember it was on an embankment. They had to have a staircase in which to climb. You know what? God made the staircase when the wall toppled down. That's a blessing, amen? The wall toppled down. It came down flat. And all the debris and the rocks and all that, <clears throat> that became like a, like a staircase ladder where it was easy for the Israelites to, to scurry up those, up that, up, up that, uh, that dirt ramp and up that uh, rocky ramp of all the debris that was there. They made their way right into the city of Jericho. They got into the embankment as they did so. They saw the wall and the inner wall had fallen flat also. God had made a way for them. I'm telling you this morning, brother and sister in Christ, faith is how God makes a way. Faith is how God opens doors. The city was shut up, but God opened it up through faith. Listen, faith is the way where God saves souls. Faith is how mighty prayers are answered. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and reward of them to diligently seek Him. Faith is, is, is how God works through unchangeable situations. Just a couple weeks ago, we had my good friend, Pastor Paul Brakeman here, preaching the Sunday night service. Pastor Brakeman's from the country of New Zealand. And he preached a great message from 1 Samuel 1 about Hannah. Hannah was barren. She couldn't have children. But Hannah prayed one of the great prayers of the Bible. And God opened her womb and enabled her to bring forth a son. And that son she had faith, not only God giving her the son, but she had faith that God would use that son. Even before he was born, she dedicated that son to serve the Lord. What great faith she had to give up her first son to serve the Lord. And he went on to be a great icon and a great testimony and a great prophet in the nation of, 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 of Israel there. But faith changes unchangeable situations. Faith is how a Red Sea is open. Faith is how a Jordan River is crossed. Faith is how an oversized giant is defeated. Faith is how lion's mouths are closed. Faith is how God God raised the dead back to life. Faith is how closed doors are open. Faith is how a church thrives, is built, and succeeds. Faith is the only way our unsaved loved ones can get saved. Faith is the only way our church can have a future and succeed. Faith is how men are sent out to preach the gospel. Faith is what keeps you going for the next day. We walk by faith and not by sight. We know this, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Listen, this morning, we must be a people of faith. By faith, God conquered Jericho. And I'm telling you this morning, if you're going to succeed in the Christian life, it's only by faith you're going to succeed in the Christian life. 
By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. Nobody in that generation, no contemporary nation at that time could conquer those walls. But God conquered those walls. And God did it without battering rams. And God did it without explosive. Because with God, nothing's impossible. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. Amen. He said, call unto me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. Thou knowest not. Listen, we've got to rise, brother and sister in Christ, out of the ashes of discouragement and the ashes of defeat and the graveyard of dead bones. We've got to rise out of that and get a faith that's on fire for God and say, listen, anything's possible with God. God can do anything but fail. Amen. So we see the setting for faith. We see the submission in faith. We see the supernatural faith. They took the city. But you notice the success in faith. Would you look at the latter part of verse 20? This summarizes their success. They took the city. you catch my heart this morning? The city of Oakland, the city of Berkeley, where we have now several students at UC Berkeley this fall. We're starting a new Bible study there. The city of San Francisco, the city of San Leandro and San Lorenzo, our neighboring city of Alameda, neighboring city of Hayward, Union City, which we have many people. They come from Union City and Fremont, going eastwards to Castor Valley, up through the Tri-City area of Dublin, Pleasanton, and Livermore, and San Ramon. Did you catch my heart? We need to take some cities. We're not praying for walls, physical, literal physical walls to fall, but we are praying that the walls of unbelief and the walls of rejection would come down and by faith we would conquer those walls and see people saved and brought to Jesus Christ and living for God. Listen, by faith, that's how the walls come down. They took the city. So notice verse 21, they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep and ass. They destroyed. You say, wow, that's pretty brutal, preacher. Pretty vicious. You need to understand something. You need to understand something. That city and its inhabitants had a lot of time to repent and come to God. Because by the testimony of Rahab the Harlan, Joshua 2, they said, we have heard. And you listen to me this morning. God holds you and me accountable for what we hear. They said, we've heard. But the only person that whole city that believed that word was this Rahab the harlot. And so the success campaign was this. God had put the curse on that city. Let me tell you something. Every The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Every person that lives this life without faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, they will be separated for all eternity from God. The Bible says, your sins are separated between you and God. You'll be separated from God for all of eternity and spend all of eternity in a terrible place called hell. This place was cursed. Sin is cursed. Sin is the curse of God on the human race because we live in sin. The wages of sin is death. But I'm thankful to tell you this morning, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I want you to see this this morning. Why were they successful in faith? Because as a believer, watch this, as a believer, 
They had exercised faith. They knew the living God. But now they had to do something you and I need to do. Faith without works is dead for every believer. You're just sitting there and you're not doing something with your faith. Your faith is dead. God wants you and me to have a living faith. Amen? And faith without works is dead. Listen to what the Bible says in James 2.25. For it's the body without the spirit is dead. So faith without works is dead also. That doesn't mean, well, I've got to work my faith to get to heaven. No, it means you've got to work your faith to show that you are going to heaven already. Amen? It already shows the demonstration that heaven's your home and you're living for God. And by testimony you hear this morning, thank God you're in church this morning. And the success of faith is this. Would you watch this? Faith honors God. God honors faith. Faith is the key to success. We must have faith there's nothing too hard for God. We must have faith that with God nothing's impossible. We must have faith that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or do. They were successful in their campaign. Joshua told them, now remember, you take the gold and the silver and all those things you find, those treasures, they belong to God. Now this was the first city and you have to remember a Bible principle, the principle of first fruits, the principle of first things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And God did not want them to enrich themselves by taking all of the gold and the silver from that city. He said, there's other places you'll get that. He says, first of all, the first things belong to me, just like the tithe. The tithe belongs to God. That's his, not yours. It's his. It belongs to God. The first ten percent is God. That means for every dollar we have, God God has reserved ninety percent for us because the first ten percent belongs to Him. And so He said to them, "Don't touch this. If you take it, you'll put a curse on you. You'll put a curse to your family." It's a future message. And so they went on, and the majority of the people went on and served God, and they were successful in this campaign. And the Bible says they possessed all those things. They did that. And the Bible says in verse 24, it says, And they burnt the city with fire, and all that was therein, only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and iron, they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. That's kind of interesting. They already talked about the house of the Lord right there in the passage. We see the setting for faith. We see the submission for faith. We must obey the orders of God. We see the supernatural faith. It was God who gave them the victory. We see here, we see here the success. But as we close, would you notice one more thing? This is so important. Please don't miss this. Would you notice the salvation in faith? Now remember the city was under the curse of God. Just like every Canaanite city was. And you have to understand, the Canaanite belief system was very vile. Extremely pagan. Bloodthirsty. They sacrificed babies. They threw babies in the fire. They sacrificed babies. They, they did horrific things. Terrible things. Inhumane things. They had knowledge of the God of Israel, but they refused to make that God their God. And going back a few days before that, God sent two, Joshua sent two spies into the city of Jericho to spy out the land. And God, in His love, led them to a home of a woman called Rahab the harlot. Now, I, sp- I preached on this a few weeks ago, but just real quickly. Her title, Rahab the harlot, is not a good title. She was a woman of terrible character. Her home was right next, and right, in fact, right on the outer wall. <clears throat> The shout of the Israelites was so great. Not only did the walls come down flat, 
Houses were flattened. And it's interesting, archaeologists that have dug up that area have found an area of the wall, the outer wall, where there are houses that were intact, that did not collapse and fall. One of those homes, which was just very few, one of those homes happened to be the home of Rahab the harlot. And Josh remembered a promise that he gave through those spies about that woman, that she would be rescued, that she would be saved out of this circumstance, that the curse of Jericho would not be on her. Would you notice what the Bible says in two, three verses? Go with me to verse 22. Joshua remembered this woman. Verse 22 says, But Joshua had said unto the two men that spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all that she has, as, as he swore to her. And the young men that were, were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had. And they brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. Go down to verse 25. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive and her father's household and all that she had. And she dwelled in Israel even to this day because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spout Jericho. Would you watch what's going on here? Watch what's going on here. There's chaos all over Jericho on the outer wall and on the inner wall. There's chaos everywhere. The walls have come down. The city has been invaded by the Hebrews. The Hebrews have taken it by the storm. The, Jer- the people of Jericho are so overwhelmed with fear at what God has done. They are petrified. They don't even offer up defense. They are slaughtered there. And in the midst of all this, God told the two spies, Listen, I want, we're going to keep, I'm going to keep the promise that was given to Rahab. Go to her house. And they said, Well, how are we going to know that house with all this confusion? Well, back in chapter two, we didn't study this before. God told those spies to tell that woman, I want you to take a scar scarlet rope, a scarlet thread, a scarlet rope, a red color rope. He said, I want you to let it down from the window where this woman's at. He said, you tell her to let the scarlet robe or, or, or rope hang outside her window and we'll know which house it is by the scarlet robe that's there. Hey, listen this morning, that scarlet robe is such a picture of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for you and me. That blood that was shed is God's marker that we belong to God, that his blood covers us from all our sins. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 7, that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all our sins. But not only does it cleanse us from all our sins, it continually covers us with all, for, from all our sins. And listen, that scarlet thread would be a reminder to them, a testimonial, that this woman, as she confessed in Joshua 2, had put her faith in God, the God of the Hebrews. She put her faith in Him that only He could save her from destruction, that only He could save her from the curse. And those spies came in, and the Bible sums it up here in verse 25, that Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive. Can I tell you something this morning? Jesus Christ is in the soul-saving business. He wants to save every sinner. He wants people to come to know Him. He told the Jews, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. I'm telling you this morning, our Joshua, our Jehovah, our God, Jesus Christ, is the soul-saving business. If you're not saved, He wants to save you from your sin. He wants you to be blood-bought. He wants you to have your sins forgiven. He wants you to know that heaven can be your home. He wants you to know that you can become a child of God because the Bible says, to as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of god this city was under condemnation but the bible tells us in romans 8 1 there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in christ jesus and i'm going to tell you this morning if you've been struggling about your salvation if you're really saved if you can point to time to place where you call on jesus christ your savior based on authority of romans 8 1 and many other verses you are saved you're forever saved god does the saving you don't have to worry about that you just keep clinging to jesus he takes care of the saving for you this morning Joshua saved Rahab, the harlot, alive. She was rescued. 
She was snatched as a brand out of the burning. Why Rahab? Because we read in Hebrews 11.31, By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she'd received the spies with peace. She perished not. As I close this morning, the two sides of the coin we see about Jericho and Joshua going in there. One side we see is the justice of God. God has to punish sin. God has to punish unbelief. But the other side of the coin is the love of God. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In John chapter 3, verse 16, many of you know the verse, but listen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God didn't want her to perish because she put her faith in the Lord. And God doesn't want you to perish because He loves you. He wants you to be saved if you're not saved. Acts 16.31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Ephesians 2.8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. All it's saying is this, God's grace, love we don't deserve, was exhibited for you and me and demonstrated over 2,000 years ago when he sent his son Jesus Christ, God who became flesh yet without sin. To go to that old rugged hill called Golgotha or Calvary, bearing that cross, being nailed to that cross, the Son of God died for your sins and mine. He took away all of our sins. He paid the price. He satisfied God's justice demands for sin. And though He died and physically expired at that moment, His body was laid in a tomb. Three days later, praise the Lord, He rose again from the dead. And He's a living Savior who's still saving souls. Your part and my part is simply to exercise faith, to say, Lord, I need You. Lord, I'm a sinner who needs to get saved. Lord, I need to be saved today. Faith is how Rahab was saved from destruction. Faith is how the walls of Jericho fell flat. Rahab went forward with faith. Joshua and the Jews went forward with faith. Will you go forward with faith? Will you go faith forward to be saved if you're not saved? Will you go faith forward right now as we hit the month of July, right in the middle part of 2018? Will you go faith forward and say, God, I'm going to live for you? By faith, by faith. Think of what you can do by faith. But faith must go forward. They went forward. Will you go faith forward? Will you go faith forward in your problems? Will you go faith forward when you're in the valley? Will you go faith forward when you're in a Jericho situation and everything's shut up? Will you go faith forward and trust in God for your outcome, your family, your situation? This morning... The invitations opened up. Would you come faith forward? Would you call on the Lord to save? You're not saved. We invite you this morning to say, Dear Jesus, I need to get saved today. Now, if you've, you've asked Christ into your heart, praise God for that. You've already gotten saved. But I'm talking about some of you yet have not. You, you've, you, you've resisted and put it off and put it off.
Don't put it off any longer. Today, call on the Lord to save you. And then secondly, Christian, it's time to go faith forward. Would you exercise faith? Would you be the first one to step out by faith and go faith forward and say, Lord, I want to have a faith that honors you. Now, Father, this morning we thank you today <clears throat> for such an encouraging and insightful passage of Scripture. It inspires us that God specializes in making the impossible possible and hard things doable and that you do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. My faith is challenged by what Joshua did. I pray our faith as a church is challenged by what God you did for Joshua. And this morning as we give the invitation, I pray for Christians who out of sincerity and honesty say, Lord, I just know I need to go forward. Help me, I have a little faith. Help me, my faith has been shattered. Help me, my faith has been set back. Help me, my faith has not been exercised. I haven't put my faith to work and The Bible says faith without works is dead. Yet maybe also, Lord, today, there's someone here who is yet to put their faith in your son, Jesus Christ, as their personal Savior. Today, Lord, is the loving invitation, just as you went down in the midst of chaos and saved Rahab the harlot alive, I believe there might be somebody here today that you want to save from their sins. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Can I talk to you and ask you a question for just a minute? How many would say whether raising your hand, Pastor Fong, I know that I'm saved. I know there was a point in time in my life where I told the Lord I was a sinner and that I believe that He died for my sins and rose again from the dead. I know for sure I'm going to heaven. Would you raise your hand saying, yes, I know for sure I'm saved and going to heaven. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Put your hands down. Now, if you were one, not certain about that, you could not raise your hand. The day at Jericho was an important day in the history of Israel. Today could be the most important day of your life. In fact, it is. If you're not saved, God invites you to go faith forward and ask the Lord to save you from your sins. And I'm going to invite you right now, wherever you're seated, to tell your neighbor, excuse me, I need to come to the front to talk to an altar worker. I need to get saved. I want to give you an opportunity right now. Someone here today, you're not saved. You're not sure you're going to heaven, but you want to be sure. You're God, God's working your heart. I invite you this morning, just make your way to the front and take one of our altar workers by the hand and say, I need to get saved. I need to get saved. Would you come? And then, Christians, how many of us this morning were just kind of standing around, doing our own thing? We're trying to rewrite God's word. How about today? Are there Christians who will boldly say, Preacher, I'm going to go faith forward. God challenged me today. Just as you brought those walls flat, you made a way. I need you to do that for me. Would you pray for me this morning, Pastor, that I'd go faith for Pray for my faith to be strong. Oh, how many would raise your hand and say, pray for my faith this morning? God bless you. Who else today? Pray for my faith. Pray for my faith. Listen, if nothing, nothing happened in your life this week, we need a faith that goes forward. You can start today. Don't wait. We worry too much about what people say, what people think. None of that today. Have a faith that goes forward. Boldly in Christ. He's with you. We'll never leave you nor forsake you. You come, take a moment for prayer. You come in just a moment. Now, Father, use the invitation today to bolster our faith and strengthen us. Lord, help us to have courage to do the right thing. Some need to come forward to just give a profession of their faith that they've accepted Christ as Savior. Some need to take the next step of following you in baptism. Some, Lord, need to take the next step of, Lord, living for Christ and serving the Lord. Help them to do whatever it takes to go faith forward today. Would you help us today? We pray for this in Jesus' name. Let's stand, heads bowed, eyes closed. If you need to come forward today, you come this morning. You come today. 
Some have come already. Some have come to give profession their faith in Jesus Christ that they've gotten saved. How about you? How about your faith this morning? Your faith way in the back? Do you have faith in God's word? Do you have faith in God's way? Do you have faith in God's plan? Do you have faith that God will answer prayer? Do you have faith that God, God can save your unsaved family? Let's exercise faith this morning. Where's your faith? By faith. By faith. Not by work. Not by all the other things. By faith. We're going to sing another stanza. Would you exercise faith this morning? Let's not have a timid faith. Let's have a biblical faith. Let's have a faith that's bold in Jesus Christ's name. I invite you to come. Maybe you need to take a moment with your family to pray. Say, Lord, help our family to have greater faith. What's the faith God wants you to exercise today? Would you come today? You feel like you're shut in? Things are shut up? You feel like you can't get into something? You know, God opens the doors. God makes a way. You let Him do that this morning. Let Him do that this morning. Don't don't leave the church the same way you came in. Come out today saying, Lord, I want to have the faith like a Joshua. Would you do that? Well, wait one more moment. Come. Come. Invitation's open. Would you come? Lord's speaking to your heart. You say something's going on in my heart. I feel nervous. That's the Lord speaking to you. Obey the Lord. Follow the Lord in His leading. We'll sing one more stanza. We're extending one more moment. Would you come today? I can't help but think somebody needs to exercise great faith in God. You've got family that needs to get saved. Loved ones that need to get saved. Would you come? We're going to sing another stanza. Would you come? Just as I am, without one plea. That's how God wants to receive. Just come as you are. Just come as you are. Father, this morning we're so thankful today for the faith of Joshua. And even as we read Hebrews 11.30, it's not about Joshua, it's about the faith. It's by faith the walls of Jericho came down, not by because of Joshua. The Bible says, by faith, Rahab the harlot perished not with them that believed not. It's by faith, Lord. And by faith, that's how we started. By faith, that's how we get saved. And by faith, that's how we keep going. We walk by faith and not by sight. The just shall live by faith. Father, I pray you help take this wonderful, beautiful passage cause our faith to grow and to rise, we pray. Thank you for this this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.